0: Again, uh, Jairus fell at Jesus' feet. He implored him. Um, the woman thought that if she could just touch the hem of his garment, uh, the blind men carrying, or excuse me, crying out, son of David. And again, the demon-possessed man's company bringing him to Jesus. And, but then there's the contrast that we read about uh, the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they just would not believe in Jesus. And again, they attributed uh, the miracles that Jesus were doing to uh, Satan. You know, belief, faith, uh, it's vital, vital uh, to our Christian lives. And and again, we pointed out that they saw that in the first century. These accounts uh, that we read about in Scripture, they saw Jesus doing these things. They saw him performing miracles. They saw him... uh, uh, you know, raising people from the dead. You know, they talk to firsthand witnesses. And, of course, now here we are some 2,000 years later, and uh, we don't have that evidence. We can't see those things with our own eyes. We can't talk to people who live there. But uh, what, we, what we noticed, what we mentioned is that, you know, we have evidence today. We have a revelation Uh, through the creation, through God's creation. Revelation chapter, or excuse me, Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says uh, his invisible attributes, you know, we see. We can see his uh, creation just by, or we can see God through his creation. You know, the psalmist says, you know, just look up at the sky, look at the stars and all that. You can see this design uh, in the universe. You know, again, God revealed himself through creation, but also He revealed Himself through special revelation, be, being the Scriptures, uh, uh, miraculously bringing the Scriptures to us by inspiring men such as Matthew and Mark and, and Peter and, and all of these uh, inspired writers of the Old Testament and New Testament to record uh, the Scriptures down uh, for us. And, and then, of course, as you know, the Christians in the first century are receiving these uh, inspired revelations. They're taking them, they're reading them, they're treating them as, as, you know, as the word of God. And so obviously then they want to uh, copy it down and send and, and keep a copy for themselves and even send copies off to other Christians. And so, you know, that's really how the Bible spread throughout the first century uh, or, or these particular books uh, within Scripture. And so, again... Uh, the, the emphasis last week was on the faith of those individuals. And so now we're moving into uh, the next section, the next uh, class. And we're going to be in uh, starting in Luke chapter 4 this morning, uh, verses 16 through 31, where uh, we're going to uh, notice Jesus being rejected. Jesus being rejected. You know, if I asked you uh, if you have ever been rejected... I think all of us would probably raise our hand in some fashion, in, all, in some fashion, we've all been rejected. and of course, how does that make us feel? Does anyone like rejection? We don't, do we? Um, how do we get over rejection? You know some of us probably uh, it comes more naturally. You know, maybe we have thicker skin, and we can just. Uh, push it aside but uh, a lot of times you know again rejection hurts and uh, we talked about this this morning I guess you know Noah was a great example of somebody who was rejected right 120 years of preaching righteousness to the people and yet only uh, his his wife and his three sons and his three daughter-in-laws were were saved during that time but he would have been somebody who was rejected And, and again you know, Christ, uh, we're going to see here, was rejected. And, you know, it, it wasn't just the non-believers who rejected Jesus, but who, uh, who ultimately rejected uh, Jesus. It was the religious people of the day, right? Was, uh, the Jews, the, the Pharisees, the, the scribes, you know, those are the ones who you know, to put Jesus on the cross And so it's not just non-believers who reject Jesus, but it was the religious of that day. And so we'll see this here uh, in Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 16. Uh, Let's go ahead and read the account, and then we'll discuss it. Uh, Luke chapter 4, starting verse 16, says that, And he came to Nazareth, uh, where he had been brought up. And as as his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all were speaking well of him, and wondering if the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, Is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, No doubt you will quote this proverb of me, Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we heard was done in Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, "'Truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. "'But I say to you in truth, "'there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah "'when the sky was shut up for three, and a, or three years and six months, "'when a great famine came over all the land. "'And yet Elijah was sent to none of them, "'but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon "'to a woman who was a widow. "'And there were many lepers in Israel "'in the time of Elisha the prophet.' And none of them were cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. And all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage as as they heard these things. And they got up and drove him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill on which their city had been built in order to throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went his way. And he came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. So, uh, you know, we've got a lot going on in these verses and we're going to look in Matthew's account as well because it's a little bit more condensed and we get uh, some different aspects to it. But, you know, this is uh, this is a really, really interesting uh, account here where uh, look again at, at verse 16, uh, part B It says, or, or I guess the second half of verse 16 in Luke chapter four, it says, uh, and it was his custom. He entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. What was what was Jesus' custom according to that verse? It was attending worship, wasn't it? Uh, to, uh, now, of course, Jesus grew up in the, the Jewish uh, religion uh, system. And so he... Uh, he didn't go to church, but, you know, he went to uh, synagogue worship, but it says it was his custom, right? Every day or every time that they had their, their synagogue worship, he was there. It was his custom to do that. And so, uh, you know, what we know about synagogue worship um, is, is, especially back then, is that, um, you know, it's not too different from, you know, some of the things that we do in our worship service. Uh, I mean, it's not exactly the same, but there's a lot of, uh, a lot of similarities. They would begin with everyone reciting uh, what is known as the Shema. And this is just a, a passage of Scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, verses 4 through 9. Uh, this is something that uh, little Jewish children, even today, are, are trained to be able to recite as, you know, as early as they can talk. Deuteronomy chapter six, starting in verse four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gate. So again, this is what is referred to as the Shema. This is something that the, uh, the Jewish people would recite at every single synagogue service. Uh, several prayers were offered. Uh, again, a portion of the law was written or read. Excuse me, a portion of the law was read. Uh, whether it was in you know Genesis or Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Um, And then there was also a reading from the prophets. And so this is where Jesus comes in in this account, because it says uh, Jesus is going to read from Isaiah. Now, uh, we're not told if he uh, volunteered or if he was, again, given uh, the opportunity by maybe the ruler of the synagogue saying, hey, hey, Jesus, you're going to read the scripture uh, for us this morning. You know, again, we're not told how that works, but they handed him uh, they would have handed him a great big scroll uh, from the prophet Isaiah, and um, and verse twenty tells us that it was handed to him by an attendant there. And, and now, you know, just to make sure we're all on the same page, of course, you know, Jesus would not have a Bible like you and I have. Uh, he would not be reading from a Bible. He would uh, be given a scroll, a, a you know, a, a longer you know piece of paper that's sort of rolled up on a, a pole. And uh, usually these were uh, by book, and so there would be a scroll of Isaiah, there would be a scroll of Jeremiah, a scroll of you know Exodus and Leviticus, and so they didn't have one giant giant scroll, but these individual scrolls. And so uh, he pulls out, or is given to him, the scroll of Isaiah. Again, this is going to be you know quite large, and it's just interesting to to think about you know, how that process would have worked. Because, let me ask you this, at that time period, were there chapters and verses in the, the scriptures? No, those things are going to come a lot longer. Those are uh, inventions of men. And so, uh, you know, Jesus is going to read Isaiah Sixty-one Verses 1 and 2. That's how you and I would classify it. Isaiah chapter 61 verses 1 and 2. You know, I'd say, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 61. And we'd turn in our Bibles, Isaiah 61, and read what it has to say. Well, Jesus is given this great big scroll, you know, and there's no chapters. There's no headings. There's no verses. And uh, he goes right to where we would classify uh, chapter 61 Verses 1 and 2, and he reads from the scroll of Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. You know, I just kind of picture it, him uh, in my mind of him just you know, taking that scroll and opening it up and finding what he wants to read. And again, you know, sometimes uh, I just, you know, it just kind of marvel at the thought of that. Because, you know, we have, have, you know, we have placeholders in our Bibles. Uh, Maybe some of you have those Bibles that have like the little grips in there that you can just easily turn uh, to a page. And those are very convenient. Uh, But back then, for someone to, you know, get to the scripture they want to read, you know, it's going to be a little harder to do. But Jesus goes right to the passage that he wants to read. Again, this is what we would know as Isaiah chapter sixty-one verses one through two, and he reads, he reads uh, what he wants to read to the the people in the synagogue worship, and then the Bible tells us that he closes the scroll and sits down, and then uh, we see there in verse twenty-one he says to the people there, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So what does that mean when Jesus say, today that scripture has been, f- been fulfilled in your hearing? What's he saying? He's saying that, hey, Isaiah wrote about me. Those things that Isaiah wrote about, you know, 800, 700, 800 years ago, those things are about me. I am fulfilling those things. I am the one who uh, the spirit of Lord is upon. I am the one has been anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to proclaim and release the captives and to recover the sight of the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, uh, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. So uh, he's telling the people there in that synagogue worship that, that you know, the, the passage that he just read, that is about me, he says there. Now, um, it's interesting to note there in verse 22, what was the reaction of the people? Were they upset at this at first? They at first? Yeah, at first it says they spoke well of him and they were wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. But they were saying also is this not Joseph's son? You know, we know this guy. You know, he, he grew up in our community. We know him. Uh, but at first, it's interesting to see that they were speaking well of him. Uh, they're marveling at his gracious words. Uh, let's get some more context as to, uh, you know, what's going on here. If you would, uh, we turn into our Bibles in Matthew, to Matthew chapter 13. And this is basically the same account, uh, but we have... Uh, Matthew and Mark gives a little bit of a different, uh, some different information on it. Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 54. Again, their versions are much more condensed. And so that's why we uh, looked at Luke's this morning. But uh, let's notice what Matthew says in uh, Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 54. It says that he came to his hometown. So this is Nazareth. He came to his hometown and began teaching them in their synagogue So that they were astounded and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. So again, Matthew, Mark's account is a lot shorter. Uh, They don't mention uh, the part where it talks about them uh, speaking well of Jesus at first. Um, But again, you know, think of Jesus. He's in his hometown, you know, Nazareth, the place where he grew up. He's around uh, the people that you know that he knew growing up, and maybe uh, maybe some of these people here have babysat him and his family, or something. Maybe they work with his family, and they say, "Is this not the carpenter's son? Right? Is it, this is Joseph's son, right?" Uh, that's that speaking of these things. That's uh, you know basically attributing to him to be the Christ. You know, I had furniture made by that guy, or you know he, he helped repair some of the, our our farming equipment. Isn't his mother Mary and his brothers James and Joseph and Simon Judas and his sisters too? Don't we know this guy? But what does scripture tell us is the main problem of the people here? They didn't believe, did they? They didn't believe. Matter of fact, Matthew and Mark tell us that he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. They they uh, they're taking offense at him uh, because uh, as he reads uh, from the scroll of Isaiah, as he is uh, attributing himself to these scriptures and um, you know making himself out to be the Christ, you know the people are uh, well. We we just read there in Luke chapter four uh, towards the end of that uh, section that uh, they. Uh, weren't taking too kindly to what he had just said. Um, so uh, Jesus responded uh, back in Luke chapter four, uh, again, verse 23, uh, Jesus responded with this proverb. You know, he said, physician, heal heal yourself. You know, he said, you guys are, are going to start saying that. Physician, heal yourself. And that, you know, basically, you know, all the miracles that you performed in Capernaum, you know, we want you to perform them here too. Perform them in your hometown as well. Uh, you know, basically, what they're saying is, uh, or Jesus is saying to them, uh, or, uh, you know, take care of your own problems before you try uh, to solve ours. You know, so prove prove to us that you are the great physician by doing these miracles here. Of course, Jesus said, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. You know, what, is, what does that mean? A prophet is not without honor except... Uh, in his hometown and in his own household, you know, Jesus comes home, and he comes to his hometown. He's performing these miracles in front of all these people that he grew up with, and you know they—they're not believing that he's the Christ, right? Because this is the guy that grew up with them. This is the guy who worked. The, the, his son was or excuse me, his father was a carpenter and he and he was following in that trade. Uh, this certainly couldn't be the Christ. This certainly couldn't, couldn't be a prophet, a great prophet. And so, you know, Jesus says, you know, everywhere else I go, you know, the people are amazed at what I'm doing. But when I come home, uh, you know, I'm not given that honor. I'm not uh, getting those things in my hometown or even in my own household. And so Jesus, again, says that Or Matthew and Mark both record for us that Christ, you know, he performed some miracles there in Nazareth, but uh, it was limited. It was limited due to their unbelief. Uh, Is it difficult for us to sometimes forget someone's past? You know, especially someone we know, we we know well, or maybe he's our neighbor. uh, We know something about him or her. You know, sometimes it's difficult. And Jesus explained to them here in Luke chapter 4. He gave them a couple of examples, Old Testament examples. Uh, He says, remember Elijah? Remember Elijah, how um, he could have helped many uh, Jewish widows, he says there in chapter 4, verses 25 and 26. He could have helped many Jewish widows. There was a famine on the land for three and a half years. But yet, uh, what widow did he help? Remember, verse 26 says that he went to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. This would have been a Gentile woman. She wasn't of, of the Jewish religion or the Jewish nation. Uh, she wasn't, again, she wasn't a Jew. Uh, Elijah could have helped many of his fellow Jews. But the only person that he helped, the only widow that he helped during this time, Jesus uh, lets us know, was this, the widow of Zarephath. And then also he gives another example of Elisha. right? Elisha could have uh, healed many different lepers, uh, many uh, lepers of the Jewish community. But which one leper did he heal? It was Naaman, right? Naaman. Uh, that's an account we remember uh, quite well in 2 Kings. Uh, he healed Naaman. Naaman Naaman was not of the Jewish religion. He was a Gentile. Again, he was a Syrian. That's who Elisha healed. And so, you know, and we also could think of, he doesn't use this example, of course, because this hasn't happened yet, but we could also think of the example of the Apostle Paul. Remember when when Paul has just been converted to Christianity, uh, in Acts chapter 8, verses 19 through 30, the Bible tells us he comes to Jerusalem, and he tries to... Uh, Join with the brethren there in Jerusalem. Uh, and then uh, we see that uh, the people there at first, are they accepting uh, Paul at first? Right, they're not accepting of Paul at first. Because, well, first of all, he's not referred to as Paul yet. He's still Saul, Saul of Tarsus. But they know about Saul of Tarsus, right? Saul has gone around persecuting the church. He's gone around dragging Christians into jail, into prison. Uh, and so they know who Saul of Tarsus is. And so when Saul of Tarsus shows up to want to associate with the Christians, they're a little spectacle. Uh, they're, uh, they're a little um, you know, worried. And so you remember who speaks up on behalf of Saul? was barnabas right the the son of encouragement barnabas speaks up and says hey you know let's give this guy a shot uh let's bring him in let's uh you know uh, associate with him and uh and so from that point forward uh you know that's really where uh you know eventually he's going to become known as paul in the scriptures and of course he's going to go and do in great things but again the point is you know it's difficult to forget someone's past and uh And so when we think of the examples of Elisha and Elijah and Paul, and now here is Jesus who grew up sort of mundane. You know, the scripture refers to uh, Jesus doing no miraculous events as a child, really up until his baptism when he's uh, around the age of 30. And so this is just the carpenter's son. He's just an ordinary guy like you and I. But now he's in the synagogue uh, reading from Isaiah and attributing that to himself. And so... Uh, You know, after he sort of uh, gives those descriptions of Elisha and Elijah, uh, now the the tables really have turned, right? Now uh, the people are, uh, they're upset. They're no longer uh, speaking well of him, but now they're in a rage, it says in verse 28. They're filled with rage after they heard these things. And so, what? What do they in the Jewish culture in the Jewish system? What is the normal way of committing, um, you know, capital punishment? You know, pick up, yeah, they pick up stones, and they're gonna they stone a person, right? Is that what they do here? It says nothing about them wanting to pick up a stone and stone Jesus, but they drove him out of the city and they led him to the brow of a hill on which their city had been built. Verse 29 says in order to throw him down the cliff, uh, they were that upset with Jesus. It wasn't that they were going to pick up stones and stone him, but they were going to take him to a cliff and throw him over. Uh, because they were that upset with him for, again, implying uh, that he was the Christ, implying that Isaiah wrote about him uh, as being uh, the anointed one. And so but but verse 30 tells us, but passing through their midst, he went his way. So somehow Jesus was able to uh, get away, whether, uh, you know, it was just a great crowd of people and he was able to uh, you know, maybe just walk away and nobody noticed because of the great crowd, or maybe, uh, probably something more uh, on the, along the lines of a miraculous happening there. Um, you know, but the bottom line, it, it just it wasn't Jesus's time to uh, to be a sacrifice. It wasn't time for him to die, and uh, uh, that's going to happen eventually later. Uh, But it just wasn't his time. And so he evades uh, the Jews here. You know, this isn't the only time where he evades the Jews. He'll do it in other places as well. Uh, But he passes through their midst. And uh, we don't know, but it says that he simply went back to Capernaum. So I know we only have a few minutes uh, left before class ends. But again, is this the only time we read in Scripture of Jesus being rejected? No, we, we, we see it quite a bit, actually. Uh, Matthew chapter 8, verses 19 through 22. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 8, verses 19 through 22. Uh, then a scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me and allow the dead to bury their own dead. Uh, you know, uh, Jesus uh, calling these individuals to come and follow me, but, you know, excuse after excuse was given. Um, I like this description as well in John chapter 6, uh, verse 66. You know, Jesus has just fed the 5,000 uh, here in uh, John chapter 6. And so he's got a, a great mass of disciples around him. And it says, and, uh, you know, there's this really long discourse that Jesus is talking about, uh, you know, how he's the bread of life. And that, um, you know, and, and so in verse 66, it says, uh, as he's talking, well, let, let's, uh, let's move back a couple of verses here uh, into uh, verse 63. It says, or let's even further back, verse 62. What then if you see that some man ascending to where he was before? It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and our life. But there are some of you who do not believe. And Jesus knew from the beginning that they were... Uh, who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. And he was saying, for this reason, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the father. And then verse 66 says, as a result of many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him any more. That was the second bell, right? Okay. Uh, So... um, So obviously uh, here, uh, again, Jesus is being rejected. And this is a theme that we see over and over again. So I'll finish up my thoughts here on this uh, Wednesday evening. Uh, Danny, uh, you have our closing prayer for us?